Today's session is going to be dealing with the subject of sovereignty. We're in a study on Proverbs, and this is one that kept coming back to me as I read through the book of Proverbs. There are a, a number of examples in the book of Proverbs about God's sovereignty and scriptures related to that. And so we're going to dive into that today. I realize this could be um, possibly something that would create debate or at least um, would pose questions in our minds. And so I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide us today. In fact, I want to pray as we begin our class that um, the Holy Spirit would be completely in control. And as we read scripture and as we make comments and as you interact, that um, this would be a really beneficial time for all of us. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. It is flawless. It is perfect. It is from you. And so we listen as we read today. Help us to have open minds and open hearts to all that you're saying to us. I, I pray especially that you would encourage everyone who listens today. And may, uh, may, you word, may your word speak. May you speak through your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin with Proverbs 19.21. As I was looking at the various scriptures that relate to God's sovereignty in the book of Proverbs, this is one that I think is a, a good uh, overall verse that en encompasses many things. And so this, this would be our key verse for the day. This would be one to memorize. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That really uh, says it all. It talks about uh, us making plans, but the Lord's purpose being the most important thing. And that is speaking to that subject of sovereignty and God's sovereignty. So uh, as we go through the scriptures today, keep this one in mind. And we'll come back to it again. And, and if you want to memorize a scripture today, this would be a good one to memorize. Let's Let's even say it together one more time. Speak it out loud with me. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Great. What I'd like to do as we study today is, is read several scriptures that pertain to God's sovereignty from Proverbs. Then we'll look at several scriptures that are outside of the book of Proverbs and we'll make some conclusions as we go along. So uh, start with me in Proverbs 16.1. I used a translation here that I'm becoming more and more fond of. It's, it's uh, on your screen as JPS, and that stands for uh, Jewish Publication Society. And uh, the name that would be on the Bible if you had one in your hand would be Tanakh. T-A-N-A-K-H, which are uh, letters that stand for the three sections of Hebrew scripture, the law, the prophets, and the writings. And so uh, this is a great translation done by Hebrew scholars. And uh, this is the way Proverbs 16.1 is uh, translated in that translation. 
A man may arrange his thoughts, but what he says depends on the Lord. That's an interesting statement. It would be uh, one thing to say that a person can make their plans, but it's, it's what God wants that will happen, which is the essence of that verse that we read at the beginning, Proverbs 19.21. But this one says that we can, we can plan on what we're going to say, but what actually comes out of our mouth depends on the Lord. This, this is something that I've seen worked out in my own life. I wish that it happened more often, that God's word came out of my mouth all the time. I know that it doesn't, but um, I have noticed at times where I've planned to say something, particularly in teaching or preaching. And as I've gotten into the moment, God has given me uh, different words to speak or a different thought to share, or something has come to mind that I had not prepared at all, uh, either a story or um, an interpretation of a passage of Scripture. And so God has been, I've seen his sovereignty at work in sharing his word through teaching and preaching. I'd like to also uh, have you think about uh, something that... that uh, in Mark chapter 13, Jesus was uh, talking to his disciples, and, uh, and he said this. He said um, that later on, you're going to be arrested, and you're going to be brought before governors on my, for my sake. And uh, he said, when that happens, don't think ahead of time of what you're going to say, but Trust me, because um, I'm going to give you the words to speak in that moment. And so it's, it's, a, um, it's a little bit of a reinforcement of this passage from Proverbs 16.1. One of the beautiful things about this study that we've had in the book of Proverbs is that as we've gone along, I've seen uh, so many connections between what we've studied in the book of Proverbs and the, the things that are taught in the New Testament. And it's no wonder, because all of the uh, writers of the New Testament, and including Jesus, although he didn't write, but uh, the things that he taught in the New Testament, these men were all steeped in the Jewish scriptures, which included the book of Proverbs. And so they knew the Proverbs. And I think that the Proverbs... Um, impacted the way they taught and spoke. And this is one case where I think that happened as well. I think Jesus, um, of course, was speaking future about what would happen, but he makes it clear that the Holy Spirit sovereignly will give words to his people when they're put on trial for his sake. Great, great uh, passage, this one right here. Let's move on and let's do Proverbs 16.9. A man may plot out his course, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. Again, we're talking, you can see the the, uh, sort of the contrast that's set up between the first line and the second line. 
I'm, I'm thinking of the kind of parallelism that this could be. We've talked about the three different kinds of parallelism. The first being synonymous, where the first line um, of a two-line uh, verse is the same as the second, or very close to it. The second may be just lifting or heightening the thought a little bit. And then there's synthetic parallel parallelism, where the second line completes the thought of the first. And then there's antithetical parallelism, where the second line is in opposition to the first line. And in this case, um, you could make an argument for synthetic uh, parallelism, or you could make an argument for antithetic or antithetical par parallelism. Um, the second line here could uh, be viewed as a completion of the first line, or it could be viewed as, as opposite. But the point is this, that no matter what we plan, God is going to di direct our steps in his way. And so uh, I always feel like, like this. Some people think that if God is in control, there's no need to make any plans. Just let it happen. And that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is to seek the Lord about his plan and pray that uh, our thoughts will be directed to his plan, even in our preparation. The neat thing about this whole subject of sovereignty is that it takes the pressure off of, of the human effort and the human planning uh, so much. We, we tend to think that it's all up to us, and we work, uh, some of us anyway, work with that in mind. But it's clear that it's not just all up to us, that it's up to the Lord, and that he is the one who is going to have the final outcome. Okay, let's look at another passage, and this one would be Proverbs 16.33. And it reads like this, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The casting of lots was something that was done in the ancient world, not just by in the Jewish communities, but also in other communities in the ancient world. It was a way of determining what to do. And it was done... Um, praying for God's direction uh, for believers, but it was also done in pagan settings um, with pagan people seeking their God for direction when they cast lots. So um, a common custom and uh, the important thing was um, who, is, who is being sought for direction in the whole thing? Is it the Lord um, or is it a pagan god. Well, the way this worked was, and we don't know all the details, but um, there were stones that were um, sometimes put in a shaker and thrown out. And uh, depending on the order in which they came out or the way that they came out, decisions were made um, on the basis of that. And so uh, this this verse is interesting. I really think that this particular verse could refer to 
the, uh, what was called the Urim and the Thummim in the Old Testament. And that was, those were the two stones that were put in the breast piece, which was a pouch that was laid over the ephod on the uh, chest of the, of the high priest. And when a decision was needed from the Lord for the nation, a, a king could consult the high priest and say, I need a decision from the Lord about such and such. And the priest would take out that breast piece and he would, um, we're not sure how it happened, but the lots would, be, the stones would be um, maybe shook out of the breast piece into a lap and um, the the way they landed, would there would be a decision made as to you know what God was saying. Um, I'm sorry for being so vague, but we just don't know how it worked. But we do know that it was done. And the point is this, that you may think that it would just be chance. Kind of like shaking the dice and saying, uh, you know, based on how this dice rolls, I'm going to do this or this. Uh, they were uh, seeking the Lord and trusting in him that what happened in the casting of the lot would guide them in God's direction. And, and God had made the promise to Moses. He said, if you'll make these pieces, put them in the breast piece over the ephod on the body of the high priest, and when you need a decision from me, take those stones and I will I will give you a decision you know so God had made a promise and as they trusted in him uh, God did direct them and uh, it's just a very interesting practice something that we probably wouldn't do today although um, there are some some things that are being done today even in terms of uh, Selection of deacons in churches. I was part of a church where um, deacon candidates uh, were, were vetted and uh, they were checked to make sure they met all the qualifications of a deacon. And then the, those deacon candidates were ratified by the congregation. And then um, their names, uh, you know, if there were, uh, say, six candidates, but only three offices, they pulled out three names out of a hat. That was sort of like casting lots. But when it was done, there was always the, um, the prayer that went into it. And it was not done with uh, just a chance sort of um, attitude. But the, the hope was that God would lead in that process. And um, being part of that church, we believe that God did lead. And he did select the people that he desired. Let's go on to Proverbs 20, 24. And in this passage, um, it says, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? And uh, it's an interesting question. Perhaps another way of saying this would be, since a person's steps are directed by the Lord, how can a person plan their own way? Um, and that's, that's, um, that's a good question because it, again, points us to uh, the importance of seeking the Lord 
when we're making our plans. If we make our plans thinking that we'll be able to carry out whatever we plan, um, the scripture indicates that God has the final say about our ways. And, uh, he de- and that's, a, that's a comfort. I'm so glad that God has a plan for my life, that it's not just up to me. Um, that's a comfort. It lets me know that um, he's working on my behalf. He's working to lead me in the right path. Let's look at another two or three passages from Proverbs, and then we're going to look at some scripture outside of Proverbs. Proverbs 21.1. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. So uh, the writer of of this particular proverb believed that um, God even had control over the heart of a king and uh, caused him to act in a a favorable way towards those whom God was delighted in. Let's talk about an example of that. Do you remember the king Cyrus, who was the king of the Medo-Persian Empire? He was the great king who um, defeated the Babylonian Empire and uh, basically took over that empire, expanded it, and uh, he was the king who made this decree. He was not a believer. He made this decree that um, the Jews could go back to Jerusalem and build their temple and even um, allotted the finances for the project. Uh, So does that relate to a passage like this? Absolutely. God directed this, this pagan king to act favorably towards his children because um, the discipline that he had meted out to Israel was over and he was ready for them to go back. Their restoration was part of his plan all along. And uh, he used a, a pagan king to be part of the process. Here's another passage, 2130. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. That's important to remember as well. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. And so we don't need to be afraid that God's plan is somehow going to be squashed. Um, that Jesus won't come back when it's the right time, that um, a loved one won't come to faith in him as God works on their heart and draws them to him. Uh, It's a great comfort, this passage. Let's look at 2131, the very next verse. The horse is made ready for the day of battle but victory rests with the Lord. We tend to think in America, um, we think very militarily because we're a strong military nation and we think that uh, we will be uh, able to defeat any foe if we have 
all the armaments that we need, if our military is strong enough and we pride ourselves, I think, on being the strongest in the world, there's some uh, nervousness right now with China, but uh, we're, we're, uh, we believe that we're strong. And so we're trusting in our military. And uh, in this case, in that day, the thing to trust in, of course, was a horse and a chariot. That was like, um, that was like the, the, the best kind of military advantage that you could have, is to have horses and chariots. And, uh, but the writer is saying, victory rests with the Lord. And the, the great example, or one great example of that is, uh, when you think of Gideon, and all those Midianites that came against Israel and God was preparing Gideon to fight against them. And he had, I, I believe it was initially 30,000 troops that were pared down to 10,000. And then God said, there's too many of you. I, I need to eliminate some people. And he cut it down to 300 troops to face this vast Midianite army. And he had a plan. And when they carried out God's plan, uh, they defeated the enemy. And so God's plan and God's victory does not rest in our military might, but it rests with him alone. Now let's go to some passages in the Bible that are not from Proverbs, and they, they reinforce what we've already studied in Proverbs. Psalm thirty-three, eleven. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. That lets us know the important thing. The important thing are the plans of the Lord. Let's go on to Isaiah 14.24. The Lord Almighty has sworn, says the prophet, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so will it happen. The prophet is quoting the Lord, and he's saying, what I plan will happen. What I purpose will be. That's God's promise to us. And so, fitting into his plan, oh, it's so important. It's not giving up something. It's taking on the tremendous security that there is in following the plan of God. Uh, when you're following the plan of God, you are, you are secure. You're doing the right thing. It is his plan that will be carried out. It, it is his plan that will happen. Let me just say something uh, as a disclaimer. God's plan does not always mean the lack of sacrifice. All you have to do is look at Jesus. The, the most important plan ever carried out by our Heavenly Father was the death of Jesus on the cross. It involved great sacrifice, but it was God's plan. And so uh, the security of God's plan is still there, in, and it's still right. But it does not mean that we will be... Um, spared any kind of sacrifice. But what a great security to know that even if you suffer for Jesus' sake, 
that you're in the center of his plan. Um, I remember when the apostles were, were uh, persecuted, were, were beaten for preaching. Do you remember that in the book of Acts? And I think it was Acts maybe chapter 4. And they came out of that beating rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. So there was, there was great joy in their hearts, even though there was suffering. A few more scriptures. Isaiah 14, 24, or 27. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? Let's look at 46, 10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God will do what he plans to do. He is sovereign. A passage from Lamentations 3.37. I love this one. It's concise, but it, it's powerful. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? And so... It's not what some great ruler is saying or threatening. It's not what someone has planned that, that we need to fear. What we need to fear is the Lord in a good way, to respect him, to honor him, and to go along with what he's planned. The only thing that's going to succeed and happen is what God has decreed. And so we need to trust in him and follow him. Now, as I said, those words, one more disclaimer. God does allow, he does allow sinful people to carry out their schemes for a time. But their schemes are always under his control. He never allows something to go beyond um, what he has planned. We don't always understand it. I I don't understand some of the great times of suffering uh, that God has allowed to happen in the world. But I do um, greatly rejoice in his rescue and that he's not allowed these times of suffering to go on forever and that he has vindicated his people. Let's read one more passage, and that is from James chapter 4, 13 through 15. And I want to encourage you to think about yourself today as, as you read this with me. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Let's go to 14. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I don't know so much that we need to always say that as much as we need to be thinking that. That no matter what we plan, there's always the, uh, there's always the thought in our mind that I will do this if it's the Lord's will. And even in our planning, that we, that we seek the Lord's will so that we, we plan for those things that we believe are his will. And then as we carry them out, 
we have this attitude that this will happen if it's the Lord's will. I'm, I'm totally trusting in his sovereignty. And I know that if it's his will, this will, this will be accomplished. And if it's not, it will not. We need to live every day with that thought of uh, God's sovereignty overarching and overruling everything about life and particularly about our own lives. I hope this has been a comfort to you. I hope this has been a reassurance. Um, This is the word of God. These were not any words that, that I've altered or conjured up. These are These are scriptures that occur frequently in the Bible. Um, These thoughts occur frequently. I know that some of us struggle with the whole idea of of the sovereignty of God, that that God rules and that we don't have absolute control over everything ourselves. And uh, so I want, want you just to think about this and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. I'd like to end with a chorus today that we used to sing, um, and it goes like this. This is not all of it. This is the the name of the chorus is God is in Control, and it was written by Twyla Paris. This is the chorus of that great uh, chorus that she wrote. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him, we know. Oh, God is in control. Oh, God is in control. And then this little bridge section. He has never let you down. Why start to worry now? Why start to worry now? He is still the Lord of all we see. And he is still the loving Father watching over you and me. There's more to it. You can look that up and listen to it. It's a great chorus. But let me pray with you as we close today. Thank you, God, that your plans are never thwarted. Thank you, dear God, that the purposes of your heart are carried out. Thank you that you carried out your purpose for us when you sent Jesus. And you paid for our sins so that we could have eternal life. Thank you for the purpose you're carrying out even now in preparing a home for us in heaven. Thank you for the the return of Jesus that will one day happen. And thank you for uh, the security that we can live in on a daily basis, free from fear, because you are in control. We believe it. We don't understand it completely, but we trust that your word is true. And I pray that you will continue to reveal to us and to put us at ease knowing that you have everything under control. Thank you, dear Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.